Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Me, Myself and Hopefully You podcast. I'm your host, Tariq, a 19-year-old university student currently experiencing a midlife crisis as he has no idea what he wants to do with his life. So rather than see a career advisor or a therapist, I decided to start a podcast where I invite guests from an array of backgrounds to tell me their story. And whilst finding out about them, hopefully I can find out more about myself too. So if you can relate, or maybe you just want to see where I end up, join me every Sunday right here. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest at this time, a professional actor working on shows such as Doctors and Hobie City, but is currently playing corrupt police officer PC Smith on the award-winning soap opera Hollyoaks. Uh, Callum and I talk more about his first acting job, which saw him being stretched away in a limo uh, from his college and onto set, along with the day-to-day life of being an actor, the biggest person he's ever worked with, his own troubled past, and ultimately how he went from being a dinner lady, uh, which is what he did at school whilst I was studying there, um, to a star on one of the biggest soap operas in British television history. So without further ado, it's Callum Lill. So, Callum, uh, I want to start off with some quick-fire questions just to get to know you a bit. This is a bit, they're, they're a bit random, but the first one is, um, what's the last thing on your camera roll? <laughs> the last thing on my camera roll is a picture of uh, an English bulldog puppy that I met at the pub last night. And it is oh, the cutest. Nice. I'm going to get it up, actually, so you can see it. It was the most, it was the nicest dog I think I've ever met. Um, it was just, like, jumped into you and was, like, cuddling. Nice dog, oh so cute so cute so yeah that's the last one on my picture roll on my camera roll the other week i saw a bulldog and it actually got me emotional because he he, he had a missing leg so basically oh no he didn't have a oh. missing leg sorry he had a leg it was like it was just casted so it was just dragging along so he was just walking right. and it was just dragging slowly along and it's just it was it was quite sad but it was quite cute though at the same yeah. time um because bulldogs are, are normally seen as sort of this aggressive you know, animal that just sort of barks and is annoying. Yeah. And then when you see like a little one that's just like quite passive walking along, um, it, it I don't know. I, I love bulldogs. I'm just quite scared of them at the same time. Yeah, they are lovely dogs. Uh, my next quick fire question is: Who would you consider as uh, your role model? If you had to pick just one, who would it be? Um, it, it, it's very because I think when I was applying for drama school and when I wanted to be an actor in my first year and second year it was always Tom Hardy I watched Warrior um I don't know if you've seen it but it's a film where he's an ex, ex-US Marine um and he is trying to get into basically he's not even trying to get into a fighting competition he gets approached because someone sees him beat like the number two in the world and batter him in a gym um but he's in his transformations in that film and also in Bronson where he plays Britain's most notorious criminal this is all his work around 2008, 2010. Um, I think that was, in terms of acting, that was probably my role model. Um, and yeah, yeah, I'd say Tom Hardy. How do you pick? So, like for example, if you're if you're a football fan, I don't know if you're into football, um, mm. uh, but you would watch a player and you just enjoy him watching. Uh, you enjoy watching him because he's the best, or he can do something really well. Like his passing is great, or he scores loads of goals. But how do you pick like a favorite actor? Like how do you, I don't, how do you, is it, is it because of the roles that they continuously play in and those are the roles you want to play in? Or is it, do they have something about them that you just go, oh my God, they're this, they're this, and I want to be like that? 
I don't know. I think it's hard with like anything that's in the arts because it's so subjective. But I think like, I don't know, you just, I watch some of his films and I think it's just like a, like an emo, like an, an emotional feeling towards it. Something, someone you connect with. Um, and yeah, I think seeing his films, I don't know, some part of me connected with him anyway. I think seeing him use, because I think he'd had like a, I mean, I think he's from quite a well-off background, but I think he had quite a troubled past. And I think he clearly funneled that into his acting. And I think it was probably that that I uh, connected with. Mm. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later on then. Um, uh, my la- final quick fire question is if, you know, God the house fire, um, and you yeah. could only uh, keep one thing. So you've got your phone and your laptop because everyone has their phone and laptop on them these days. Um, but you could only keep one other sort of materialistic thing. What would that be? I've got, um, and I know this has been said in other podcasts, but I've got like a a, a photo album that um, one of my ex-girlfriends made for me actually, but we're, we're still like great friends now. Um, and she only filled it half full. So I've got from birth through being a toddler in primary school, right into my teenage years um and then there's still half for me to like carry on completing but a lot of them pictures they were taken you know on digital disposable cameras so they're the only copy um so that that's why i would have them and a lot of uh, my granddad who i looked up to very much um a lot of pictures of me and him and me and my brothers and him in there as well so it'd definitely be that i like the fact that it's still half like empty so you can still fill it with like everything else that you end up doing yeah thinking i always find it interesting people say maybe it's because i'm just someone that's my heart is made out of stone but i always find it interesting when people say that they did they take a photo album because for me for for me i've digitalized everything um and i take very few photos as well so it's like everything is already on my phone it's backed in google drive um but what yeah i want to keep the physical copy i always find it interesting that people want to I don't know. I feel like there's some sort of connection when you have that physical copy in your hand. But I never feel yeah. it when I when I look at photos. Again, maybe. And it's the only copy as well. It's the yeah. I guess yeah. Not backed up anywhere. It's just the. I should I digitize it. Yeah, you definitely I should. should. I always tell email. everyone who says that, like, make sure you just in case. One day there might be a house fire, or you might lose it. Yeah. Know, like, and just in case, you do definitely want to. No, what should I get? I remember now from the podcast photo album. Exactly, yeah. You, uh, you need to get that solved. I don't know, put it on Google Drive somewhere. Because you can scan them and they'll, they come out like perfectly on the internet rather than taking a photo of each photo. Get them, scan them all, and then you can get them on and they're saved and there you go. Um, yeah. Anyway, so those were my quick fire questions. But I want to get to know you a bit more. So could you quickly just sort of introduce yourself? What do you do? Um, how you got, well, yeah, just sort of what do you do um, and a bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah. So um, my name's Callum Lill and I'm an actor. Um, I went to Haslam High School uh, and sixth form like you did. Um, And then, yeah, I think I realised in about year 10 that I wanted to be an actor. Um, So I did all the school shows. Um, I did acting classes outside of school. Um, And yeah, I, I just kind of started chipping away at it. I didn't really know much about it um, and the whole like London and drama school seemed like a, this mythical place that I don't even know if I'd be able to ever get to um, but then when I was in maybe year 12 one of the drama teachers uh, I don't think she's there anymore she's called Miss Anthony um, she said she was like the, the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester running auditions to be in like the ensemble so like you won't speak I ended up getting a couple of lines in it 
um but they were like it's just to just to be in it because they need like a lot of people on stage and it was about like the the start of youth gang culture which was when manchester industrialized in like the late 1800s um and i got in that and the lead guy in it was from manchester and he was fantastic it was called dan Parr. and i watched him work and he had like what you said before about how do you know about these actors he just had this physical presence on stage and he'd bounce around and sometimes it was funny sometimes it'd be like he'd look like he was a bit sad then he'd like attack someone and i was like whatever he's done however he's got to that level that's what i want to do so i found out what drama school he went to uh, it was called arts ed in london arts educational schools um and uh, i've skipped to it actually i did national youth theater when i finished um sixth form um which is a two-week course in summer and i went to mr jackson the head of hazard and high and i was like i can't afford to go it's like 800 pounds is there any way the school can help me go and i will do something in return with it to do with acting either tell people about it or and he was like yeah we will um and then but if you can maybe help out uh assisting with gcse drama the following year um because he knew i already worked at the school um and he was like i was like yeah absolutely so i went there then auditioned for drama school um got in on a scholarship because i'm from a low-income background managed to get in on a full scholarship um i still had to work like some weeks I was doing 40 hours, 50 hours in drama school. And the most I worked in one week was as well as the 40, 50 in drama school, like 43 hours on top of that, which is pretty mad. Uh, but, you but you know, you got a graft if you want something. Um, and then, yeah, graduated, got an agent, auditioning away. Um, and, yeah, I've just finished on Hollyoaks. I was filming on there from, started in December, wasn't in in January, and then February to the end of, yeah, the end of April, about the 29th, 30th of April. So we'll definitely no, see, a, see a return of your character then. I'm coming back. Ah, see, I don't know. I don't know because he's a he's a he's a he's a corrupt police officer. Um, so the way he's left, he gets the way he leaves the show. I don't know if he'll be able to come back. Okay. I mean, well, that's I feel cool. like Hollywood always has corrupt police officers. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's always a corrupt police officer or a corrupt like yeah, no, there is. There's always a corrupt police officer. Um, is it Hollyoaks is always interesting. Um, we'll talk about Hollyoaks later, but um, because Hollyoaks is the only thing that my sister watch watches, I allow her to watch whilst I'm in the room. Everything <laughs> else she watches is absolute garbage, right? Um, and I'll allow her to watch that. So basically, we have a rule in our house where, so there's there's a comfy seat in the house, right? In the in the in the living room, right? But whoever right. comfy seat, then the other person gets to have the remote, so you can't have both. Nice. Okay. Nice. So this was, by the way, this was a rule we set in stone like ten years ago, and we're, we're still we still do it. It's like it's still the rule, even though <laughs> we're like fully grown adults now. I'm 19, she's like 23 or something. We're still like, well, you're on the seat, so you gotta give me the remote. So anyway, yeah. But what we do is, okay, you have the remote, but you have to watch something that's somewhat like okay with the other person, and she watches absolute crap. Everything else is rubbish. So the only thing I watch is Hollyoaks because I'd be like, all right, that's good, that's fine. But everything else is rubbish, yeah? Like, she watches Indian dramas, which anyone that has watched Indian dramas, they're off. Like, honestly, Callum, if you went to India, learnt Hindi, you'd get, like, you'd be in Bollywood within, like, two years. The <laughs> acting is actually awful. You just, it, you'd surpass them all, I'm telling you. Just learn Hindi, you'd be great. You'd, and Bollywood <laughs> as well. So, I mean, yeah. that's my recommendation to you. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting completely off topic here. Um, so, uh, I want to take it to a little bit back to the beginning then. Um, 
you got into uh, acting what in in what was your sort of first experience of acting where you went oh this is actually all right maybe not when you went i really want to do this but you just went it's decent i think it was in either year eight or year i think it was year nine um what they did i don't know if you did that when you were there but what they did uh, when i was at that time of my life was you did every half term every half a term your subjects changed so you got to experience six weeks of every possible gcse you could do so when i did dance and drama at this time i was being like a bit of a wasn't very well behaved i wasn't really naughty but i was just up to no good getting myself in trouble getting myself in fights because i didn't start at haslingdon started at a school in Rochdale and I had three fights within six weeks. My mum was like, right, you're not staying here. She made me move to Hazard and I was, didn't want, so I was kicking and screaming, but it's the best thing she ever did. Um, that was, yeah, just a bit of a, bit of a naughty kid. But then when I started doing acting and dance, it was like something to funnel that into. And I was like, oh, I like this. Um, yeah. And then I think I was doing dance and drama and I very nearly didn't do I was going to choose dance over drama, which I can't imagine where I would have been now. Um, but then we found out that the people that chose drama were going to get to go and be extras on Waterloo Road. So I changed on, I think it was the last day I could change it. Or even they went, you know, you should have picked it by now. You're not supposed to be changing, but we'll let you off. Um, and I quickly went to this meeting that was, uh, I was like five or 10 minutes late for because I'd just gone to change my options to get to this meeting. It was about, you can all go be extras on Waterloo Road. Um, I went there. I loved being on set. And I actually spoke to an actress who was on there at the time called Chelsea Healy. And I asked her for advice. And she said, okay, go to, she said, Google Carol Godby's. It's a, it's a acting class in Bury um, in Greater Manchester. And they also have an agency for kids. So once they think you're good enough, they'll start getting you um, extra work and then they'll start getting you auditions. Um, so that's what I did. And she works on Hollyoaks at the minute. So I got to like, when I was in a scene with her, I got to be like, I, you won't remember me, but I need to thank you actually. Um, which is quite a nice moment because yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have heard of that place if it wasn't for her. Um, so yeah, and then I got that, uh, I don't know if, you, if I'm, I can't, I can't, if I rambled for so long, I can't even remember no, the question. No, got into it. How I got into it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, how you, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, so that, that was how you got into it was the question. I, I mean, I want to break that down a little as well. Um, getting on to, so you were pick you picked dance and uh, well it was between dance and drama right um and for someone that had sort of behavioral issues or whatever you call it got into fights yeah. eventually you wouldn't assume someone that gets into fights consistently goes on to do dance and drama why do you think that transition happened when you went into Haslington? I think it was probably just like um and I ended up picking both by the way I picked dance okay. and drama did both um I, th- I think it was just this you know a couple of years into puberty you've got all this like energy with no kind of outlet for it and where obviously I went to school in Hazelden but where I grew up in Rochdale like there wasn't much to do other than cause trouble with either you know either getting chases off police or with lads from other areas lads were about 14 um and that was it, it was just something to put my energy into um I had a lot of it to get rid of um and then yeah, once I had this different outlet for it, and uh, I think also, it, well, I don't think it was just the subject. I think the teachers mm. in Hazenden, the expressive arts teachers, the dance teachers, and the, the, the my acting teachers were phenomenal. Um, and I think it was having it was the relationship with the teachers as well. I think if it wasn't for them, if it was 
if yeah, if the staff were different, maybe it wouldn't have maybe it wouldn't have gone that way. But Mr. Anderson um, and the dance, my dance teacher, Miss Addison, um, and well, all the drama teachers, and my dance teacher, Miss Addison. If it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't have done it. They were they just created this environment that I could be myself and let out this energy and be big and make these like mad scenes in uh, drama. And I'd probably make some that were to do with stuff that I'd got up to in real life and it was fine and you were getting graded on it and this was classed as good schoolwork and I was like oh yeah I can do a bit of this absolutely instead of writing down yes please yeah no I, it's like you're sort of using your own experiences being able to reenact them without getting into any trouble at all um, yeah and, 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 and in a positive way as well it's funny you mentioned those two teachers um, I didn't do dance or drama at, at, at school I kind of regret not doing drama or I do regret not doing drama actually um, I, and Mr. Anderson, Miss Anthony, and Miss Addison, um, we, uh, I, you know, I ended up getting along with them throughout the years. We just we had a chat about whatever. Um, I loved Mr. Anderson; he was brilliant. I had him for like a year, and he was he was he was the only reason why I was tempted to pick drama, uh, just yeah. because he was that good in year eight. And he even said, "Terry, you should pick it." And I'm, I'm I always that's like my biggest regret in high school was I didn't pick drama. Um, I should have ended up picking it, but yeah, it's 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 always interesting to see that. Um, I mean, obviously, like a student can enjoy a subject, but when a teacher has that much passion for their subject, such as Mr. Anderson, Miss Anthony and uh, Miss Addison, when they have that passion and then the, the student sees that passion, they end up becoming passionate as well. Um, because yeah. like, if, if you speak like the, my friends that pick drama, the amount of there's not a single one of them have, that, have, that has ever complained about Mr. Anderson. I don't know. Like, they, none of them had Miss Anthony. Um, not in GCSE level anyway, but all of them had Mr. Anderson and they all absolutely loved him. The relationship he built with his teach with his students was incredible. And it's so interesting to see, you know, you, you know, you're a few years older than me. Even back then, he sort of built those relationships and was able to sort of inspire young kids to go, oh, do you know what? This is actually all right. And I, and yeah. it's weird. You mentioned the whole, I, it, it, you mentioned how you could almost reenact the things that you were actually doing in real life or you had done in real life because he sort of slightly hinted to us, uh, uh, he hinted that to us in like year seven and, and eight when we had him, was he was like, like, this is kind of a safe space. You know, don't be a knobhead, don't start messing around like an idiot. But, you know, you can essentially do whatever you want because it's acting. This is what happens in real life. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, can, you can use your imagination as much as possible. And even the sort of, you know, the typical sort of guys that, you know, got in trouble and stuff, they all had respect for it because they were like, oh, he's, he's a sound teacher. And yeah. you know, we can do, we can, we can, you know, climb up, a climb on top of tables or whatever, whatever, you know, he, we, we think is necessary. He allowed us to do it. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I think that the, the, the impact that a teacher can have uh, is, is incredible. But the experience you had with that, with that actress from uh, Waterloo Road, she gave you a piece of advice. You took that piece of advice and then you ended up meeting her again on Hollyoaks. What was her response to when you said, um, oh, you know, you told me this a few years ago, and now I, I, I went in fact. What, what did she say back? Uh, no, she was just, um, I mean, we were both, we had our backs to each other, but I was doing, because of COVID, makeup artists aren't allowed to do your makeup, so you, they have to teach you how to do it from speaking to you, then you do it. So I was looking into my mirror, and she had a back to me looking into hers. So it was kind of like through the mirrors to each other, and we were both rushing to get on set, but she was like, I think she was, she was very humbled by it, and the makeup artist that was there was like, oh my God, I love it when stuff like that happens. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted to thank her for it. And I think she, she didn't give too much of a reaction, but I could tell she was like, she was like, oh, that's really nice. And she was asking like, you know, yeah, just asking 
about it because obviously she must have met so many people there and she was like oh yeah I love doing Waterloo Road and stuff like that um but yeah it was nice and I'm glad I I'm glad I said it to her you've been on some good shows now Waterloo Road was sick I remember watching I used to love it yeah it was well good um Mm. I remember I I probably shouldn't have been watching it the age that I was watching it (laughs) but it was so good because again, that was that was another that was a show that my sister used to watch, and I used to think, oh, this is sick. Like I was, I was so like engrossed in all of it, um, and I was so young as well. So it was like the first thing I'm first time I'm seeing all this stuff. And again, now that yeah. I think about it, I shouldn't have been watching it, but it was just so no. good anyway. It was brilliant. I, they put it all on BBC iPlayer. I need to watch them again, but I, I just still haven't. I want to because the first ever episode uh, was filmed in my house. Um, was it by some weird? change of events yeah there was a teacher in it called mr clarkson i think and he had two daughters and basically the first ever episode is a limo picking them up from their house and i think there's a limo crash and there's this big thing but his house for the whole of waterloo road was um my house we just moved out of it and as we're moving out bbc asked if they could before in the, in the gap between us moving out and the next people moving in if they could use it to film this stuff and i think they eventually built a full-scale studio of the interior of the house um in you know somewhere on the bbc set but and then but they still use the outside of the house so i think even from i love that show and i think i probably got so into it because yeah i was like ah he's in my house that is mad yeah that. that is crazy you know i i love stuff like that because it's crazy how like everything comes full circle so it's like you had this experience of acting almost how old were you then when this happened maybe 11 so this was probably before you properly got where you thought acting was like, oh, you know, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's like, so acting had already kind of taken a, a role in your life or had already been introduced to you through yeah. the fact that it was going the TV, into the film. You, yeah. But and then absolutely. now you, you're 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 into it yourself and you're an actor yourself. That is, I, I love stuff like that because it's just crazy how the yeah. world, it's like it's planned already or something. Um. So you mentioned uh, you got into sort of shows in school. Uh, and you were acting um, uh, in uh, in year eight, year, uh, year nine, ten, and eleven, uh, and then we got into sixth form. Um, and I asked you before the, uh, the, the before we recorded the podcast, did you have any sort of interesting stories or any personal achievements that you'd really like to talk about? And usually, no one says anything, which is always annoying because then I have to like full on more research. <laughs> and stuff. To, yeah. Um, so I do appreciate the fact that you actually did give me a response to this question uh, because you mentioned um, one of the uh, an acting job that you had in sixth form. I thought this was oh, yeah. in the world. Could you talk us through that a bit? Yeah, so I think I was in uh, I was eighteen, so I must have been in year thirteen. Um, and I for, for my to I, I moved out I moved out um, when I was seventeen and lived with my girlfriend at the time, who also went to Hazen in sixth form. Um, so. I had to had to work to um, have enough money to, to live. Um, so I was a cleaner because they, uh, as you well know, I don't know if they still do it, but they'd ha- you'd hire six one would hire students to three to five clean clean a school. So I did that. I finally got a job doing that. But before I got a job doing that, they didn't have enough for me. So I also, I mean, sidetracking here, but I also when I was in six one, I wanted to join the Royal Marine Reserves, um, which I had to turn down, and then I got back into that recently. Um, and then I had to stop it again for acting. But the guy who's the head of the kitchens, I think he used to be a Royal Marine. So I chatted to him about that and I just went, popped in and said, have you got any hours in the kitchen? Because I was looking for a cleaning job. He was like, yeah, when can you start? And just gave me a uniform. I came in the next morning and um, worked there. So that's how I earned money in sixth form. Then I got this acting job. It was only 
one day, um, but it was in a BBC drama, six-part drama called In the Club, about six pregnant women. And um, I was buzzing that I got this part. So um, I they paid for my train, got a train to Leeds, um, got picked up from the train station, driven to like the Leeds Marriott, which is a gorgeous hotel. Um, had like a package waiting for me when I arrived, went up to the room. I, was like, I couldn't believe it. It was incredible. I got up in the morning, had some breakfast. There was a Mercedes waiting outside for me. Got to get into that. And I've just been watching IT crowd as well. And she's called Catherine Parkinson, the main woman in it. And me and my girlfriend at the time had watched it back to back about three times. And we were obsessed with it. And I'm there at 6.30 in the morning and I get in the car and then he drives off to pick. And he was like, hurry up, maybe you've got to pick the next actress up. I was like, oh, sorry, still asleep with my eyes. He opens the door. This actress gets in. I'm like, that morning. <laughs> Because it was her, I was in, I was getting picked up. I was like, oh my God, it's Captain Park, is it from IT crowd? I was like, I was buzzing, um, but I didn't know how to act. So I had to, then they drove us to our trailers, met the director, met the writer, and the writer and the director is the same person. Um, I was in my trailer getting changed. I was so nervous. I put my trousers, I put my tracky bottoms on backwards, my costume. <laughs> to and so I was eventually filming, it was quite cold. So. You had runners running up to you every time they shot a cup, a big coat on you, hot water bottle, hand warmers, and someone holding an umbrella over you, someone oh. holding a coat over you. And I was like, oh, no, you don't have to do this. And we're like, I mean, we, we get paid to do it. So it's like, oh, amazing. Um, so Go they were. Uh, then. Go get me. I want <laughs> yeah, I think that is, that's the trap that some actors fall into, and that is how you ensure that you don't get hired again. Um, but I was, so finished filming, and they were like, oh, thank you so much, Callum. I was on top of the world. And then, uh, I got a taxi to the train station. I had to quickly get a train back to Rochdale where my mum picked me up, dropped me off at sixth form because I had my cleaning job at three o'clock. Um, so I was sweeping and mopping floors by three. Um, so I woke up to fancy hotel, acting, trailer, and then sweeping and mopping by, uh, by three o'clock. Getting another full um, circle. Yeah. yeah, and I love that story because um, for me, it always makes me smile because it just makes me remember like what, what I'm trying to do, but also like where I'm from. And um, I just love that. Uh, yeah, it's um, always makes me smile. In, so in that drama, what sort of role were you playing? I'm, I'm not familiar with the drama. What sort of role were you playing? <laughs> was it quite a big role? So it's one of those six pregnant women, and one of them was a teenage pregnancy. And it was just, I was only in the first two episodes, briefly. Um, but they never said, but they wanted to imply that my character was the father. But then you find out later on that it was actually one of the other main characters is sons um but yeah I was just like a friend of one of the girls and she's getting abuse off a lad for being pregnant and then I stick up for her um and then yeah it was just that it was just a it was only a really small part I think I probably had about 12 lines in total that's mad though that they went through all that but like, I would have thought right so I, I would have thought if you if you explain that whole um sort of day to me uh, and then uh, you told me to guess what role you had I would have thought you're definitely the biggest actor on there because it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know no, what I mean? not at all. It's like, yeah, that's why, that's why I was asking. Because I was thinking, well, that it must have been a massive role if they're doing all that for you. I would have felt like such a boss that day. I would have definitely <laughs> those actors that's like, yeah, I'll get me an apple juice with that apple, right? Just something stupid. <laughs> Just be like, let me see if they get it. Um, because that's sick. You got a limo, you got a nice Mercedes, going to a fancy hotel, you're getting picked up. Like, I'd come in the next day, I'd be like, I ain't cleaning. I'm gonna get my assistant to clean for me. <laughs> like, that is mental. Like. Yeah, what that that experience when you when you were sat in the sort of in the car and, and the actress came in, what 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 was going through your head then? Like what what were you thinking? Were you thinking, oh well, my when, God, this? 
when, when, when I was sat in the car with her. Yeah, just like throughout the, the whole day of you experiencing this like thing of, you know, actors hold, uh, people holding umbrellas and all this sort of crap, like all this stuff yeah. going on. You feel like you're on top of the world. How, how what, what are you sort of thinking? I was just, I was just trying to get used to it. Like I was just that, I was so baffled by it all. Like, I think it was my first realization of how what I saw as a celebrity was just a normal person at work. And then um, also like, I had no idea what I was doing. Like I kept, they were like, okay, we'll get for cut there. Cause Callum, you accidentally glanced at the camera. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sorry. I probably shouldn't do that. And um, it was, I was quite overwhelmed, but um, also not too much cause I had done a lot of extra work. So I was used to the way sets run. The only difference was I was being very well looked after um, and I had something to say. Um, but that's again like um, a lot. There's often um, aspiring actors are like, "Oh, should you do extra work? Should you not?" And I'd always say, "Yes, absolutely," because it means that when you do get your first speaking part, there's so much going on on set and so many people. Whether if you're on like a, a show like Doctors, which is a daytime show, um, or Holby City, and I've, I've worked on both of them, you might have thirty or forty people on set. But then if you go and if you're on a, a Netflix drama or something like that, you might have a hundred people and they're all doing something, they're all fast, they've all got to do their own, they've all got their own job and there's lights being carried everywhere. Um, and when you're actually filming, you've got a microphone this close to your head and then you've got a light here and you've got a person crouching below you with a piece of white, um, what's it called? Um, poly, poly, like polyboard, poly, yeah. Is that to reflect on light or something? Yeah, and he's just been kneeling at you doing like a really like, intimate close scene there's a guy there that are aiming light at your head um and this can all throw you off but that's why aspiring actors I definitely say do as much extra work as you can and also like if you do it on it pays really well it pays like 70 quid a day if you do tv and you get that's your three meals as well but also give you a breakfast lunch and dinner if you do it on films in london it's 120 quid a day when i was working on doctors as a, a main character in one of the episodes my girlfriend at the time oh no she was my ex-girlfriend at the time so my friend she was working as an extra just to get some money on the Dumbo film that came out a couple of years ago. And she was earning more as an extra than I was as a main part on the, like a, a low budget BBC oh. program. Cause she was on a film. Yeah. yeah so it was definitely worth doing. So, so, you know, these extras that you see on TV shows and like, you know, everyone that we see on the screen is, are they all sort of like actors or like aspiring actors? Some people just do it as a job because it's well paid. Yeah, I was going to um, say, I want to do Sounds sick. You can probably earn more. I think labouring you get about... My friends that are labourers or were labourers and are now bricklayers and uh, joiners and stuff, they said when they started it was like 50 quid a day, 60 quid a day. Because you can be an extra and get 70 quid a day and all your and breakfast, lunch and dinner paid for. So it's actually quite good money. Oh, yeah. uh, but well, then some people are doing it that are aspiring actors, yeah. I know, because it sounds sick. I want to do it now. And then I can <laughs> yeah. be like, look, it's me, look, it's me. Just walking, mm. walking by or whatever. So like, are they all sort of... So say, for example, you've got a scene, right? Um, you're in a school, right? Okay, well, we'll, we'll use Waterloo Road as an example. You've got all these other students, obviously, because it can't just be the main actor there. Are they all sort of being told, right, just walk that way? Or are they told to do certain things? Or are they just told, okay, act natural? No, no, no. It, it would be like, okay, so they'll have a line of people. So have the, you'll have the camera here and you'll have... Uh, so you you know when you're watching something it'll look like cut to I'll say my line and then you'd speak it and cut to you so you'll have that camera and the lights and everything will be set up to film say it was your lines everything the lighting people would move everything you'd have wires in the background that have to be moved out of the way so 
everything in that shot looks perfectly like a school, but just outside it, there'll be lights, there'll be wires, there'll be people, there'll be all sorts. Um, so you get that all ready, and then you get the, um, the actors, and the actors will rehearse it on their own. Then they'll show the crew. So the crew know what they're about to either record the sound on or light. And then they'll get the third AD, who or one of the assistant directors, who will be in charge of extra supporting artists um, called now. Um, and then they'll say, right, OK, when they say this line, you walk that way. And then you're going to wait three beats after they go, and then you're going to walk, and then you're going to walk that way. It's all very well orchestrated because you can't be in front of someone when if, if someone's going, I love you, but as I say, love you, it's, you've got a, a supporting artist face in front of them. So yeah, it's all really, it's a really well-oiled machine. Um, and if you're actually there, it's like, it's almost like um, you watch a great magician, but then you learn how they do the trick and you're like, oh, it's not that impressive anymore. Do you know what I mean? Because you're like, oh, you, you've seen all the magic of it and you're like, oh, yeah, I get how it works now. So, you know, when you're watching, when you're watching TV now or films, are you like looking out for certain things? Are you going, oh, look, or, or are you like, oh, that's a mistake or whatever? Or are you thinking? I oh. used to. When I was like, um, when I was like 18, 19, I was, because I was like, oh, you know, I've said, I've said 10 lines on TV. I know what I'm talking about. But now, like, I just, I watch it to enjoy good acting. And I also watch it to see stuff that not necessarily bad acting but stuff that i might see someone do something and be like oh i would have probably done the same thing but that doesn't work there and why doesn't that work i just watch it objectively not to kind of slate anything or i think there's so much to learn from watching now i think watching like you know martin scorsese films like taxi driver and stuff like that i watch stuff like that but purely for the acting and how it's been made and because there's a lot like I think as well, it can be easy as actors to think that you've got to tell the whole story and you've not. There's a hundred people working on this to tell the story. Like if it's like a, the, the scene might be trying to say, there's a phone call and uh, the news that's going to come through on the phone call is really terrible news. And the actor might think they've got to be like, <gasps> but actually if you, if you film that right, the actor can just look at it and then they'll cut to the phone and slowly zoom in. And the actor doesn't have to do anything. That really slow zoom as the phone rings will tell the audience that it's um, that it's a serious phone call, that it's some bad news. I think, yeah, I watch it for stuff like that to be like, ah, yeah, I, I don't need to do too much because the way it's going to be filmed will, do you know what I mean? Just to learn, just to better myself. What makes a really good actor? Like, what is it? Um, I think... When before I went to drama school, I, I, I have you heard of like the four stages of competence, which I hadn't. Someone told me about it, and it was like when you're learning to do something. Apparently, there's four stages. So there's unconsciously incompetent, where you know so little that you don't realise how little you know. Then there's consciously incompetent, where you do know so little, but you know enough to realise that there's so much more to learn. Then there's consciously competent. It was my driving instructor that told me this, actually, about driving. Consciously competent, where you can do it, but you've got to think about it. You've got to think about getting it right. And then there's unconsciously competent, where you've done it so many times, you um, can do it without thinking. So um, before I went to... before, Oh, hang on. I've done on so much about a driving instructor. Could you please repeat the, the question? <laughs> how you phrased it? Because I know what my point is. I know what my point is, but I've completely forgot what you said. 
I mean, for starters, I'm thinking you know, driving instructor's got some uh, uh, a nice philosophical. Oh, he was great. Thinking, yeah, he's an guy. I loved my driving instructor. Um, my what was my question? Um, oh yeah, my question was what makes a good what makes a good. How is it? What makes a good actor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so before I went to drama school, I thought it was all. I didn't realize how little I knew, and I thought it was like getting your angry face really good and being able to think of a bad memory that makes you cry. Um. You know, using your own memories, like say you've lost a relative and like you've got a sad scene, you're like, think of my dead relative. And not only is that arguably wrong, it's also quite damaging mentally. I think what makes a good actor is when if you watch someone like Gary Oldman, who plays Commissioner Gordon in the Batmans, and he's done all sorts of, he played Winston Churchill in the Darkest Hour or Finest Hour. It was one of the hours. Uh, but he was Tom Hardy's favourite actor. He's fantastic. Um, and you can see that. Um, they're not, they're not trying to look angry or sad. They fully believe it so much because they've invested so much into this character that um, they, they just, their body's just reacting naturally because they know when they, they, you make it all up, you get all the facts from the script and then you make everything up for yourself. So like when I was doing my drama school projects and stuff, or when I do acting now, you go through the script you call it mine in the script. So every fact that that script gives you, if it tells you something about where they grew up, great, right, write that down. If it tells you like whether their school was, you know, if their school was rough or something, you might only have them two facts and then you're like, right, okay, so who were they in the school? Were they a bit of an outcast? Were they popular? Did they get bullied? Did it? And you make all this up so that, and then you'll go out and improvise um, stuff. This is, <laughs> this uh, is a very long-winded answer to your question. Sorry, it's fine. You go out and improvise stuff as the character. So like in first year of drama school, you make these characters and you make the full timeline of their story and then you'll go out in public and be them. You'll just be them for an hour and um, then the teachers will send you on dates, but real life dates in real, like real restaurants and cafes and stuff like that. Um, and then you should learn how they move, how they walk, how they respond to things. And it's all informed by fact and it's all informed about what you've made. And I think when someone does that right, someone who's really good at it, that's what makes a good actor because we won't we don't want to see acting anymore we want we don't like seeing acting we like seeing real life which is why reality tv is done so well because you don't have to worry about getting the acting right you can just get a few lunatics put them on put them on uh, in a villa um and then you've got a great show and people love it because it's real emotion so i think that's what makes a good actor when they're not showing it these uh my screen acting teacher at drama school said a quote that he'd given us from someone else called emotion is the sweat of acting meaning like you don't exercise you don't you don't sweat you exercise and sweat is a byproduct of it so he's saying like you can't just feel sad you have to go through what the character's going through and feeling sad will be a byproduct of that um so that's what i think makes a good actor someone who gets that invested in it but then how can so say for example let's say you you're 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 playing a serial killer or something right how can you ever get to the point where you're thinking like a serial killer? So I'll, I'll use I'll use um uh, you mentioned uh, the Batman film. So so the Joker yeah. in Batman, right? Um, I can't remember what his name is, but he ended up I think he ended up killing himself. Um, Ledger. Yeah, that's it. So he he, I, I'm I, I don't know how accurate this is, but I remember someone telling me that he full on went into the role where he wore the makeup like all day. Um, and he would just he would just walk around with it, uh, or he, he locked himself in rooms. He did all this other stuff to try and get himself ready for that. Um, but like for you know something like a serial killer, right? How are you getting into that mindset? Because you've only got your experiences, you've only got sort of the things that you've worked on, and 
uh, and maybe you know certain characters you can easily relate to. But a serial killer, I mean, I would I would assume that you're not a serial killer or nothing like a serial killer. Mm. So how are you gonna get get to that point where you can act like one? If you know what I mean. So how I was trained to approach it anyway. What I think my drama school would have said, and what I I would do, but everyone's got their own approach. Is first you start researching case studies. Like you've got research like you're a detective. So looking at case studies, looking at different serial killers, find out what's different about them, find out what's similar to them, find out in all the facts you've got from your script, are there any that match with these people? And then you'll go and read like, what makes a serial killer? What are the traits of a serial killer? Is it that they've got low empathy? Okay, so if they've got low empathy, what might that look like? That might look like, what would if they've got low empathy, how would they react to seeing a crash in the street? Would they go help? Would they laugh? Would they be sexually aroused? Would they um, uh, film it? Would they, do you know what I mean? And you just go through, you get all the, again, you just get all the facts, all the facts on as many serial killers as possible, all the facts from your scripts, compile them together and then make up their life. And you might think of either people that you've even met that you might be similar or the serial killers that you've watched clips of on YouTube and read about. And then, then you start trying your script, it's like trial and error, and you'll say it like a certain way and think a certain way. And you'll be like, does that feel right? Does it not? Um, but that's the, there's a lot of myth and legend about Heath Ledger, and I think none of us will know how much was his own tragic mental health issues and how much was the character that got him. But I imagine like there's, if there's a clip on YouTube that is the person he based the Joker's voice on. Um, and once you start dissecting it, you're like, okay. And he had pictures of hyenas in his book. So you do a lot of animal studies in drama school as well and that's not to be able to go and play a play a squirrel perfectly it's to like anthony hopkins in silence of the lambs i don't know if you've seen it yeah, yeah. but he based that i think on a snake and a tarantula so he never blinked and he would move kind of very subtly like maybe how a snake would move and he'd be very still and it's just taking little things like that obviously anthony hopkins sir anthony hopkins isn't a serial killer but he'll go he'll read all the facts and he'd made a conscious choice to never blink on in a scene and what animals are they and you start getting all this and then all of a sudden once you've done that and once you've got past that you always have bad anxiety when you get apart like it shouldn't be me and i was watching an interview with uh you seen uh the latest joke of joaquin phoenix yeah um him and riz ahmed who's just been in sound of metal um they did an interview and they were talking about uh their anxiety before they play a part and even greats like that, Riz Ahmed was saying he had to buy two mattresses in his first week of filming because he had such anxiety, he couldn't sleep. He thought they'd given him a bad mattress to make him sleep bad. And then uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Oscar-winning actor, was like, yeah, for the first two weeks of filming, I just feel like I shouldn't be there, like I'm an imposter. Blah, blah, blah. But once you get past all this, there's just a moment where it just like, I can't even describe it and you can't, it just happens, you can't make it happen, but it just like, just settles and then you're like, ah, oh, I know who this person is now. And it's almost like, um, it's almost like a friend or a split personality that you just have and you know you know how they react to things and if you, you do all these exercises where you might sit quietly and just picture okay how, how did their day start so they woke up and they put their socks on they have a bit of a headache and then they went and got a glass of water and then they read the paper and then they did this and you go through their day and then all of a sudden you'll start standing up and you'll walk around and then you'll think how are they walking around how heavy are they and where are they putting their weight and then you're this person obviously you never think you're the person you'd be insane and you would need help if you thought you were actually the person but there is just like a just a i don't know it's like an indescribable switch that you can have when you are having i say all this um 
but then and that is in, in practice in no that is in theory in practice when you're doing something like Hollyoaks which is then the scripts might change overnight the scripts might change in the morning it's very fast drama it's all it's all stories like really well developed characters because they don't have the time to there's five episodes on a week and that's when you've got to adapt to that and just be like okay what's happening in this who do I think this character is right I think they're this I've done the facts okay so it's a scene he's not happy with her da, 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 da. just gotta listen to what they're doing and respond and do all of that what I just said as best as you can with the little time you've got and the little information about the character that you've got um, it, all of it's winging it to be honest you can say as much theory about it as you want you're just winging it you get such a philosophical that answer someone believes it in order to give you another job Fair enough. I mean, exactly so pretend it for it to be philosophical with the unconscious and conscious bias or conscious and unconscious what was it co- oh competence yeah um all that stuff and then you just go no you just wing it just just Act, yeah basically. you've got to know all that stuff yeah they call that the invisible work as well like the work that when you're watching someone on stage or on screen you can't tell whether they've done it um you just notice when they've not done it because they're not acting very well but you can never tell when they have that's why it's hard if marcus rashford trains really hard you go yeah he's amazing but an actor you can just go they were just they're just being a person and it's like a it's almost like a goalkeeper hmm. you never you rarely it's it's easier to criticise a goalkeeper for being bad than it is to say they were really good. Do you know what I mean? Whereas a striker, you can just, yeah, they do really well, really well. Acting is probably like being a goalkeeper because it's, easy, it's easier to spot when they do it badly than when they do it well because when they oh, do yeah. it well, you don't know if they're acting. Well, you've got to do it exceptionally well for people to go, oh, yeah. my, it was amazing. Or, but if you are just a little bit bad, you got everyone on your case. Oh my God, he's this. He was awful. Yeah. He's not. How, how the hell did he get there? I'm not gonna lie. I've thought that sometimes. I've gone. You're not. Uh, I've got. I've got. Um. Uh, I've got one friend, right? Um. I, I genuinely do believe she's she's an amazing actor. Okay. Uh. And there are so many times that I'm watching shows and I'm like, like, mate, I've got a friend that's just over there that could probably do a million times of a better job. Like I've I've watched her before. It was incredible watching her. And I was just thinking. And, and this is a, a, a sort of a question, it is building up to a question, is um, like if she had the chance, she would do a better job, um, is sort of, and, and I get that this is probably common in, in every sort of job where uh, it's about look as well. How big of a role does look play in you sort of getting roles and, and being able to act? Because obviously you've got to do the extra work, you've got to do, you know, the, the, the little side hustles there and then eventually you can maybe get a role or you can get a line or whatever. Um, but how big of a role is sort of I was lucky? Uh, how big of a role would you say uh, look played in your sort of acting career so far? Um, with I think the role that look definitely plays a part, and but if you so you can work as hard as physically possible, and not I think I think it's eventually you know if you're doing it for forty years you'll get lucky at some point. Um, but if you don't work that hard, that lucky moment could come along. And because you've not put all that work in, it will pass by you. So I think everyone will get a couple of lucky opportunities. But if you've not put in the groundwork, if you've not had the nights where you can only have three hours sleep because you've got to finish studying, go and do your evening job, come back home, do six hours of focusing on this character, go to sleep for three hours and get up and then go into class and do it. Or if it's a scene that when I was working on, Holby changed the night before, like about five new pages. I got them through at half seven. I was up at five to go and start filming. You've just got to be 
on it and doing this stuff you could do all that work with your auditions and stuff and not get lucky but if you don't do all that work you definitely won't get lucky so does that make sense yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. to get lucky you've like got, you got to put the work you got to prepare yourself for that lucky moment and in order yes, to yeah. be able to prepare you uh, uh, to prepare yourself you've got to work as hard as possible like doing those 80 hour weeks you were doing and you do 40 hours here 40 hours there and it was all just crazy that that eventually when when you do get that lucky moment you grab it by the scruff of his neck and you know yeah. you uh, you take a full advantage of it um i've got it's a bit of a um a bit of a random question like with lines okay i feel like that's like the hardest thing about being an actor for me because i'm like how do you remember so many lines you get and you just said yeah that sometimes if you just change in the morning and you're like here remember this do, are you do you have to remember the whole thing and then essentially that's it you get on stage and if you get if you're struggling a bit someone will help you but that's it you've only got you've just got to remember everything now or, or, or yeah. is it sort of split up yeah 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 absolutely how do you yeah, remember so all that stuff? I do, it, it sounds it sounds crazy but honestly one when it's different for soaps and rolling dramas because that's so fast sometimes the lines is the hardest bit but for like theatre and acting well on film and stuff, lines is probably the easiest bit because anyone can. I could get, I could give you a, a paragraph of a character, and if I gave you a week, you could learn it. But if I gave that to Tom Hardy, Gary Oldman, Sir Anthony Hopkins, the they'd see the lines. Of the, you could you could learn the lines, but you, neither you or me could do what they could do with it. Do you know what I mean? So it gets to a point where the lines become such like a muscle, like anything. But it's like, you know, if, if, we, have, if we have a conversation now and then you were chatting to someone, I'd chat to someone tomorrow, and like, oh, what did you do yesterday? Oh, I was on the podcast with Tarek and we spoke about this and we spoke about that. And I'm not thinking about what you said word for word. I'm thinking about the story of what happened and the memory of what happened. So a lot of, again, the way I was taught to do it and the way I find the best is if I have a, if I'm, if I've got a monologue or a speech and I'm saying about, and recalling a past event. Um, I've got a fully, like an architect, I've got a fully build. Have you seen the film Inception? Yeah. It's about dreams and stuff. You know, when he's like, they're architects and they build the dream world. You've got to do that with a script. So like, if I'm telling about an awful thing that's happened in my past, in a script, in the, in, in the character's past, you've got, to, you've got to make that memory. You've got to, what, what was the wallpaper in the room? You've got to build the room first. What did it look like? How did the floor feel? How warm was it? What did it smell like? Who was the person that was doing it? What did they do? What did their voice sound like? So then it gets to a point where you've got that memory so spot on and then you've acted, you've improvised that happening to you as the character. So then when you come to say the speech, you don't have to think about the lines because all you're doing is recalling the memory in your head and you've got to like build artificial memories and stuff like, if, if that makes sense. That, no, no. We've learned, yeah, that's generally yeah. like a way that a lot of people do it. Okay. Um, you so I mean we, we touched on uh, a little earlier obviously about Tom Hardy being sort of your your role model and you mentioned when you were talking about Tom Hardy is Tom Hardy came from a troubled past uh, and that you sort of maybe relate to that could you explain a bit more about about what you meant by that about why you um, relate to that troubled past part or maybe or maybe I just interpreted it no 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 yeah um, yeah I'm just thinking about what angle to start this from. Um, <laughs> and what I'm going to divulge. What angle? Um, You're already thinking like an actor. Like, what angle do I take this? Do I take that <laughs> way, that way? Um, no, which, which bits to censor? Um, nah, I'm like, I don't want it. Like, I've not, I've not had it awful. Do you know what I mean? I'd, growing up, I, uh, my dad was in the military before, um, before he met my mom. 
and he served in Northern Ireland and um, worked out in Belize in the jungle and did all this stuff. And then he ended up doing a lot of like covert operations. He started when he was like 16. Um, so he was on the front line when he was 17 and a half. Um, and then he had PTSD and was with when he was with my mum. So once I was about five, they broke up and he, through, through his kind of trauma, him and my mum's relationship didn't go very well. Um, it wasn't very nice to my mum. They broke up. So I, was, I remember I was my mum was on her own, had three kids, we were very poor. Um, we had this old banger because we couldn't afford anything else. It was so old and broken, it couldn't turn left or it couldn't turn right. So if we had to get anywhere, my mum had to get the A to Z out and she would plan loads of left turns. So if we had to go like, <laughs> we had to go like right, she would have to find a way of going left down the street, left again, and then left again so she could finally go right. And <laughs> that's how like broke we were. Um, and then this, the, the, yeah, so my, um, my, my dad's a very interesting character and he's led an interesting life in and outside of the army um, that I can't go into too much. Um, but he, but then, um, when, I think when, when I, the house that was used for Waterloo Road, we had to move out of there because me and my brothers were getting bullied so badly by two lads on the street that were two years older than me. Um, and there was like, a, I remember my little, my young, my youngest brother who I have the same mum with, um, I remember one day he was just playing in the street. He was, he was, it was a loads of fresh water because a pipe had burst, like a fresh water pipe had burst on the street in the middle of summer. So everyone was just like paddling in it. My brother was in it and these boys were like, were throwing rocks at him. I remember them getting my brother and uh, smashing a frozen bird bath that had water on the top and it got this really sharp shard of ice and it was freezing. And that tried to stab him in the neck with it. It couldn't go in properly, but it cut him. And then they got my other brother and they tied him up and like, because they'd got a new BB gun. So they just got my brother and tied him up in the, one of their sheds, I think, and we're just firing, just testing the BB gun out on him. My brother must have only been, I moved out when I was 11, he'd have been six or seven, eight maybe, eight at latest. Um, yeah, and then took me in the forest, went up saying, oh, I want to show you something. And they just had sticks there, battered me with sticks. Um, just stuff like that, um, which I think messed me up a lot because now I really got on with, I really got on with um, women, but I struggle, I'm better now since going to drama school, but I struggle a lot interacting with lads. And I think with the mix of not having my dad around and uh, getting bullied by what at the time I saw as men, because they were a couple of years older than me, um, made me struggle with that. Um, and just, you know, a multitude of things. But however, it's not a poor me X Factor story. Um, like having the like various things and various traumas to draw on, um, a lot of which I haven't mentioned. Like I think that you um, you can bring something to a character who, if, if you find like a dark and troubled character, like you know, you know that dark place. To be able to go to it in a safe way where it's not real, you can make it as real as you want, and you can snap out of it when you want. You you can bring something to dark and. Uh, characters that not um, the people that have been fortunate enough to not have been through them things maybe would struggle doing as authentically. So like when I was in my favourite acting thing that I've ever done was in third year of drama school. You, see, you you don't have any lessons in your third year. It's just you do you do a play that people come and watch, including agents and actors. And you do filming stuff that you will 
he will show them. And in my first play, I played a character who only had about 10 or 15 lines. Um, it was an old American play set in just before World War One, I, I think. Um, and he was in a town in America. He on stage a lot. He's the town drunk. And um, he doesn't speak a lot, though, because he worked in the church and he, he's a choir master, orchestrator, but he's always, he's got really bad drinking problems. Um, you just see him a lot of times stumbling around and you never find out why. You just hear them, um, the people go, oh, he's had a really tough past. We can't judge him for it. And having that, that's when um, I made his whole timeline of his past of what, is, what had happened to him. And I made up this full story. So and I made up the full story and then I made memories for his whole life. So when I was this guy and I went to the dark places that he had, I was going through his memories, but I could relate to the emotions and the pain authentically because it was stuff that I've experienced. And then when I was on stage being him, so most have enjoyed acting. And then I think there was one, there was a girl in my year who wasn't in this play and her family had come over from Jersey and they watched it. And then I came out of the play and I spoke to her and she came up to me and she was trying to say something, but she was tearing and she wouldn't speak in because she didn't want to start crying. And then she, she just said it and did start crying. And she was saying, um, she was like, I, it was just like watching my godfather on, um, he's such so close to the family and he's got a drinking problem. It was just like seeing him on stage and it was so emotional. And I gave her a big hug and then I went and spoke to her, their family and we all like had a conversation and um, a chat and I probably couldn't have. So really my, my again, uh, I've got, I'm not gonna say who it was, but one of my friend's uh, parents is, was um, a struggle with alcoholism. And I watched a play with them where the actress playing an alcoholic mother didn't, do in her view a very authentic job and she was so offended she was so offended that someone had taken something which is so personal to her and done what she viewed as an unauthentic job on stage i if i'd not been through stuff like that um i probably couldn't do an authentic job which would which would uh, affect people in the, not necessarily positive because she was crying but she it was like positive tears i don't know why um i probably couldn't do that if i if everything had been rosy all the time. So there's nothing that's ever happened to me that I wish you wish different because it's who I am now and it definitely helps, definitely helps my acting. I always play ropey characters and um, they're my favourite to play. Yeah, no, I bet. Like, it's, again, I know we've talked about sort of full circles a lot here uh, uh, for the last hour or so, um, but it's always sort of, it's incredible when you see how many successful people always have sort of a dark past or, or, or something horrible happened to them or, or many horrible things happen to them, whether it's bullying or something else. Um, and, and it's always interesting to see how like they use that to, well, perform well or do something well or motivate them. And in your case, sort of being able to use it to create characters and being able to relate to them. And then you end up producing something that everyone goes, oh my God, they become so invested. Like, I know there's been times where I've watched um watched films um or, or tv shows or whatever i'm gone they look like that that's actually them so like for I'll yeah. use joker as an example joker is probably one of the films it made me feel it a lot um because when i was watching a joaquin phoenix it was like it was i knew it was joaquin phoenix obviously but it's like joaquin phoenix was the joker like yeah. they, he's com he combined both himself and the joker put them together and because obviously the film itself has sort of mental health it talks about mental health but not like directly I guess he quite clearly has had mental health problems or issues in the past and he put them together to create the uh, the Joker character and he did it so well and I remember coming yeah. out of that film for several days just thinking 
constantly thinking about the Joker and how I relate to the Joker now, which is weird because the Joker is the serial killer. You would never relate to him. But then how you now, because of how well Wacky Phoenix acted, you ended up relating to him because you relate to Wacky Phoenix as well because yeah. he's had, you know what I mean? I know I'm rambling on 100%. there. But, no, yeah, 100%. Like, and like, I can, yeah, like, you know, when you're talking about your experiences and, and, and those are some horrible experiences. I know you said, you know, this isn't a, an exact sub story or whatever, but, it, they, you know, they're, they're, those are stories that a lot of people don't actually have, you know, these experiences. Um, and it's obviously for me, it's, it's great uh, to see you sort of almost thriving on that and using that to, to make yourself a better actor, a better performer and a better a, a person, uh, a, a better person overall. Um, um, yeah, and I do appreciate you sort of opening up on, on, on that. If, if you want any of that cut out, I'm more than happy to cut it out as well. No, 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 it's not, uh, That's why I took that second at the beginning to filter the, I was like, let's tip of the iceberg it with this, let's just say. Let's just I mean, say you can bits. say whatever you want. On you. you can go as deep as you want, um, but it's obviously it all depends on, on how comfortable you are. Um, your sort of day-to-day -day life as an actor, um, especially when you're sort of still getting into the acting seat, what's that like? You're a professional actor. You you consider do you consider yourself as a professional actor then? Like as in in terms of yeah, this is I your full-time job now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, you can be a professional actor, but most actors. Uh, despite being professional actors, um, you will still have to have a job to to do between jobs because unless you're the top one percent that are, don't stop working, um, you yeah you've got to find other ways to get by. It's a hustle. It is a hustle. Um, that's what a lot of theatre actors especially struggle with. They love theatre, but it only pays enough to cover your rent and stuff while you're in the job. It's not like you then have enough money to get by for three months until your next job. You've then got to go back to waiting tables. or go back to, um, if you go in Selfridges in London, it's probably the same in Manchester, but you go Selfridges in London, anyone selling you a fragrance, most likely there'll be an actor or a, uh, either, you know, trying to get theatre or TV and film or a musical theatre actor. Because that's what you did is these agencies just for actors when you're outside of work. Mm. Um, and then they'll, they'll get you work. And because it's hard to find a job that will pay you well you have the flexibility to you might get an audition on a Wednesday night. It's like, okay, you've got to be in this place at 9 a.m. tomorrow, you've got six pages to learn. And you've got in that in that nine hours, you've got to eat, sleep, tell your boss you can't come in, find someone to cover your uh, shift, learn all the parts, make create a character. So, so it is like a, a hustle. That is that is the day-to-day -day of it, really. Um, but yeah, like I've finished Hollyoaks now. So fortunately, I um, the way the way that works is you get half half of your pay for filming it and half of your pay when it's shown. So I've been in a really lucky position because I my non-acting job was I was doing sales um, for Junkyard Golf Club, which is like a crazy golf bar. Yeah. Um, I got made redundant, unfortunately, in November. Um, and literally out of the blue, I just got a call saying, um, well, I, I, I got made redundant and then I was just in such a bad place. I was like, Christmas is coming up. I've been supporting my family back in uh, Rochdale a lot uh, with not a lot but whatever I could financially from what I could afford out of my furlough pay through lockdown and then now I've had that taken away and Christmas is coming up I was like I'm I'm screwed um, and then I just got a call about five days later um, off my agent saying uh, hi uh, uh, Hollyoaks have been on the phone um, they've got a part here for you you don't need to audition they remember you from last year do you want to do it? Like, yeah, I want to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to be homeless if I don't do it. So yes, sign me right up, please. 
need to do it. Um, I don't want to do it. I need to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I want to do it. What? So I, <laughs> do we like, want to know about the part? I was like, I don't care. Sign me up. I'm doing it. Whatever it is, I'm doing it. Um, oh, wow, but yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's your day to day. Is your day to day is auditioning, uh, cancelling plans that you've had made for six months because you plan you had plans for the weekend, but on the Friday you've been sent twelve pages to learn by the Monday morning. Um, missing missing parties, missing friends, missing you know, pissing off your. Sorry, can we swear on this? Do I need to re say whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> the um, way you react, you're almost sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, you're not pissing off your partner because you have plans with their mum and dad or you know the in-laws but you an audition comes through so you got to cancel dinner with them um that's it like i always say to people because i do a lot of outreach stuff for arts ed where we're going to schools um that are either performing arts schools or disadvantaged schools that maybe won't think about it you give them an acting class and a bit of info on acting but especially the ones that want to be actors I always say, because I was giving this advice as well, um, if there's anything you enjoy as much as acting, go and do that. Because 95% of it is disappointment, letdowns, rejections, false hope, not getting it. Uh, but it's just, if you can if you can put up with that 95%, the 5% is, is amazing. But um, if there was anything I enjoyed as much as acting, I would absolutely go and do it instead. But there's nothing else I'm good at and there's nothing else I enjoy as much. Like I try, it was always, because of my dad's past, it was always either military or acting. That was my only career path. And I tried to join the Royal Marine Reserves when I was finishing sixth form. And then I got the job I told you about where this, the drama with the pregnant women. And I got an, the audition for it was on the day of my interview for uh, the Royal Marines Reserves. And I did it and I got the part and I was like, okay, that's a sign to not do that. So I went off, did drama school, pursued acting. And then last year, signed up to do the Royal Marines Reserves again. So from February last year to October last year, I was training to be the Royal Marine Reserve. But then they were like, once we got into it properly, they were like, they were like, you will all deploy for 12 months when you pass out. They were like, you have to go away for a year and serve with the regulars. And I was like, I can't, I can't do that my agent will get rid of me that can't just say i'm having a year off to go and fight some random place or just train or just be on a base in scotland or something um because i thought that i thought i might enjoy that as much and i tried to make both of them work but um it just didn't it just didn't work so i had to prioritize and say no to the military um and pursue active because it's a bit of a bug and just i'm stuck with it i can't not do it um but i do it is fun do your agencies or agents try and get you jobs where, so like, for example, they wouldn't get you a job where you're, you're making PPE equipment because that's not developing any of your acting skills. Are they getting you jobs where you're sort of speaking, where you've got to sell something? Because you mentioned they're, they're, they're selling fragrance or, or you, were, you were on a, you were working top, a junkyard golf mm. or whatever. Are, are those the sort of jobs that they're, they're trying to get you, like where you're developing a bit of your skills there? Or they yeah, you're you whatever. Well, your agent will only get you acting stuff. So basically how it works is um, Netflix will commission a script to be written or they will get a script. Then they'll get a team on board that are going to work with it. So they'll get the director and then they'll get the casting director. So the director will speak to casting and they'll have a discussion together about what they think they're looking for. And then the casting team, the casting director, for each character will write um, the name, 
what they look like, um, what they maybe what they look like, or they might not have decided that. It used to be very. It's changed a bit now. They try and do more colorblind casting, but it used to. It might be like they might have been like six foot, um, mixed race, muscular, Birmingham accent, and then a brief of the character, and that would go out. They the casting director will send that out, and agents will receive that, and they look through their books, and they'll be like, okay, we have six people that uh, match that, and there's a thing called Spotlight. They'll get it on Spotlight. It's like a full user thing that. Is, this is all done through so on spotlight they will then click submit to these six actors that they think fit the part casting director gets them they'll get hundreds and hundreds through and they'll just get the picture they can look at the cv if they want and then there's a tick box and a cross box and they'll pick who they want to audition um and that's how the kind of agent and casting director thing works they'll they'll have you and they'll especially if you're newer they'll try and push you as well so if you don't get allowed if a casting director doesn't see you for something, um, but they, your agent thinks you're right for it, they'll get on the phone and be like, look, we've got this guy, he's not got much experience, but we really believe in him, he's really good, we really think you should see him. Um, and that's kind of their job. Their job is getting you in. A lot of, some agencies, which is quite wrong, and I'd be quite, it's a bit of a red flag if you're trying to join an agency like this, will make you pay to join up. Most reputable agents will not take anything from you until you get a job. They'll work absolutely for free and then we'll just take a cut out of your pay. So if you're not earning, they're not earning. And that way you know they're, you're, they're in their best interest, their financial interest, as well as your kind of career progression to get you work. That, and that's how it's done. They receive character descriptions, they send off their actors, the cast and director goes, yes, yes, we'll see them. And then they'll usually film it, and then they will show, they'll take the best ones, shortlist them, and then show the director the best ones, see who they like, and then they'll get you into the room and you'll act in front of the director, casting director and stuff like that. So how, how are you for these auditions? I know for, for the Hollyoaks role, you didn't have to, actually no, for that Hollyoaks role, you didn't have to um, audition because they'd already, they remembered you from a year ago. What, what was it from last year? So, so obviously I got that in 2020. In 2018, they had general auditions where there was no part in mind. They just wanted to find some actors and see, see some actors that they liked and kind of uh, just know who was about who was kind of emerging talent and I did that I think I got shortlisted and went back a second time and then didn't hear anything of it a year later there was a character on there called Jordan that was Hollyoaks had recently done I think they got some awards for it uh, a story on county lines drug dealing and it was for like one of the big um, one of the dealers in that and I got to the final four down to the chemistry reads chemistry reads are when you go and read with either another person who's auditioning to play like another lead or someone who's already in the show. So I went and read with people, actors that were already in the show and did some scenes with them on the set and filmed it properly. Um, and I didn't get it, but they offered me the part. I think obviously part of it was probably looking through these lists of people they like because obviously COVID, they don't want to be in a room of people. So they were just like, yeah, we've got, obviously they had loads of footage of me acting that they'd filmed themselves the two different three different and i've probably been about five times auditioning for the two parts um so yeah they just went we don't need to see him we've seen enough he's he can have a part um yeah i mean so they must well do you almost feel like oh i must be pretty good because they're not even asking me to audition now if they've seen me do something before they're just going right we want this guy because they would have specifically gone we want callum Lill. Or they would want this guy, maybe not send your name. They would be like, yeah. Would be, yeah. 
I, I mean, that yeah, was, it was a massive confidence boost, especially when I was so low from yeah. losing my job. Um, but also, I think also it's practicality. Like it was COVID, they don't want to be in a room with people. They were like, okay, let's look through who we've auditioned before. Do you know what I mean? It's not made me be like, oh, I'm the best actor because Holly. I mean, yeah, you might as well just call me Leonardo now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah, I think it was practical for them as much as it was uh, a compliment for me. They just had footage of me and we went, yeah, we'll do. Fair enough. I'm sure they said more than he'll do, but I mean, it is it yeah. is a big show. I, I think they do want um, uh, someone that's 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 very good, and um, that's probably why they show uh, they um, chose you. Sorry, um, <laughs> auditions. Um, I've just got sort of a uh, last few questions. Audition. How are you? Sort of. Uh, I know you said about how you know it, when you're acting, there's loads of rejections and um, uh, and sort of disappointments. How are you dealing with all of that? And even with aud- before auditions, you know, the idea of you know I'm I'm trying my best, but I could go in there and it could be another rejection, another no. You know, similar to when people apply for jobs, they apply for hundred yeah. jobs and they all come back saying no. Like, how are you dealing with that mentally? How are you sort of going right? It's just one more. I got to do one more. How are you keeping sane almost and keeping uh, staying positive? I think um, when I first left drama school, like you get you get these auditions through, and it's like this amount of money filming in Canada for two weeks and all this stuff, and you're like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing. And then you read the script and you're like, yeah, I am this character. And you do it and you watch it back and you're like, I smashed that audition and send it off. And then you hear nothing. And you're like, oh, I wanted that so much. But I think now it's very much like my approach to it is like I got Amy Hubbard, a massive casting, um, massive casting director. And I had a part the other day that um, was again, like a dark character. He had split personality disorder. Um, uh, he was, yeah like a very nasty character but a very troubled character and I was like I had no part of me was thinking about getting it I was like amazing I get this opportunity here to send a video of a part that I know I'm going to smash that is my strength doing stuff like this and I get to send it into a casting audition because usually actors are like oh can I send you a video of me and see if you've got any parts I'm like no they've asked me to send a video to them whether I get a part or not, I've got an opportunity here to do something until film it myself until I think it's sick and send it to them. And it's their job to watch it. And I thought this before Hollyoaks, but especially with Hollyoaks. Now, I don't think I don't think it's a re- as long as I think I've done well, I don't see it as a rejection because there's so many times like when I've been, done workshops with cast directors where they'll be like, there's so many times where they really like someone, the director really likes someone. But then the producers, the executive producers will go, no we think they're a bit too rough or they're not good looking enough or oh no we need this we need that and there's so many factors of why you won't get a role um uh and if, as, as, as long as you if you just can't take it personally like if you made um if you made kitchens and someone came around your uh kitchen warehouse and also went to another one and didn't buy yours they're like oh no we actually wanted it in um light green and you've only got a dark green one so we're going to get that one instead like you wouldn't take it personally because you'd be like oh well i've shown you what i can offer and they've they've, they've not gone for that mm-hmm. um, but i think it's it's hard when it's, it's a skill to learn when separating yourself from your work in acting when yourself is your work like it looks like it's you um but yeah you're essentially going as long as you do what you your best and you send it off to them and you go if i get the part this is how i'm going to do it take it or leave it but as long as you know you've done well, they'll go, oh, he's great. He's not right for this, but he's got to remember it. And like, I used to say that before when I do the workshops and do the outreach to other kids and stuff. Um, but now obviously I've got the proof of it with Hollyoaks. I just think like when I send it off, I'm, always, I'm just like buzzing, like 
there's a 99% chance I won't get this part because they'll be auditioning in all of the UK, America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and they'll be seeing hundreds of people. But I know for a fact that I'm happy with that and they've got to watch it. So everything, because, because and I realised this from doing the workshops where I'd be paying for casting directors to do a, a, a mock audition where they'd send me a script or something they'd cast in the past. And I would get to send the tape off to them and they'd be like, oh yeah, that was really good, well done. And, I, and then I was like, every audition you do should be like that, regardless of whether you get the part. If you know you've done it well, it's a win because everything's networking and that's the best. You've got, oh, do you network as an actor? And what they mean is, do you stand in bars going, oh, I'm an actor, please, will you take my number and give me a part? No, your networking is getting them auditions, smashing it, sending it off to them. And you're 99% of the time, you're not going to get the part. But if you know you've done it well and you put the graft in, you put the hours in, then they're going to watch it and go, yeah, yeah, they're all right, they're all right, they're all right. That's the, the Hollyoaks one, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's mad as well because of how big Hollyoaks is as well. Like, as in, because it's it's it, it was like they they obviously because you put so much effort and time into this, this audition, you were kept you were put into like this into storage, and then later on they needed someone, they brought it back out, and they saw it, and they were like, "We want you." And for something as big as Hollyoaks, that's amazing. And on top of that, it was during a time when you just be made redundant, so it goes to so again full circle. Um, it goes to show that, like, if you produce your, if you produce the best that you can produce, then eventually it will pay off. And again, going back to sort of the idea of, yes, you do have to get lucky, but you have to be prepared to take that lucky opportunity by yeah. working as, as hard as possible. Yeah, hundred um, percent. In fact, I completely forgot. Um, you just saying that reminded me. Um, the first part I got in in uh, sixth form, I remember. I completely forgot this, but I remember I got that off the back of something else. That casting director had seen me for something else that I wasn't right for. That's why they auditioned me for that part and I got it because it was off another thing I didn't get. I think, and I did Doctors, which was just off the audition. And then when I did Holby City, that was the same casting director that had seen me in Doctors. So it's all like, that's what I mean about it. Like it's always, you're always auditioning for your next audition. Like as in like, you're not doing this for the job, you're doing it so they'll be like, he's good, we'll get him in for more stuff. Well, you're almost building like a catalogue, aren't you? Because like, it's like all your sort of, Mm clips all these clips are going to be kept they're not going anywhere they're going to be kept and eventually you could get an opportunity to do something and you know you know and like and, you, and you've always said and this is why i've always found acting so interesting because you know you mentioned several times how, how the script can just change like that so maybe on, on one day they're going oh you, you know this is going to happen the next day something else happens and then they decide they're going to keep you on for a long term you're going to be a long-term character so literally yeah. anything sort of happened um, uh, and uh, I, I've obviously there's disadvantages to it, but the advantage is that by building up that catalogue, you can get an opportunity to get on somewhere like Hollywood, somewhere even bigger potentially, and mm. who knows what could happen. Um, yeah. It was weird um, because, was it, where was it? was it? It was on social media. I've only got like, so uh, I'll, I'll end it as soon as possible. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll finish this off um, as soon as possible. I just got to mention this. What was it that I saw? You mentioned something about working. Oh, no, it was on Instagram. So it was on Instagram and you brought up one of your old posts about how you were working in the canteen in school um, uh, for like, like four years ago or five, six years ago, I think it was. And I yeah. remember this is so weird. Like, again, another full circle thing is I remember it was in assembly and we were, I can't remember whose assembly it was. And they'd mentioned you in assembly and they'd gone, oh, he's got an acting job. In, it was something to do with basketball, I think. It was, it was a basketball. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So there was it a was, basketball um, involved. Yeah, I don't know what that was. What was that? It I was, can't remember now. It, it, was, um, it, was a fi- it was a short film for ITV about um, getting 
uh, about youth unemployment. And um, basically there was a, a, a real guy who uh, helped write it and he was always on set when we were filming. And it was about his struggles trying to be on universal credit, trying to get jobs, being let down. Um, and it, the film was made to be shown um, in colleges and assemblies and um, stuff like that. So it was supposed to be shown, I think, in the school anyway, um, because that's what it was made for. But it just so happened that the dinner lady of the school was the, was the kid in the, in the programme um, that you were all watching in assembly. So the whole the whole uh, the whole um, thing was about like yeah he finally became a basketball coach and he got the job of his dreams and I'm like no he's not he just made me <laughs> pasta and pasta and cheese over there cheesy pasta I'm just seeing him oh yeah no I remember because I remember them so we were, I remember watching the video and they went oh um uh, he actually works in the canteen there they go like oh make sure you say well done to Callum and I don't know why I. I've remembered that for so long because I've always wanted to know where that Callum ended up. And then it was only <laughs> until, yeah. And then I, it was mental because I never made the connection of, oh, there's a Callum here who's an actor. And then there was a Callum. Oh, it was like always in the back of my mind because I remember walking past and they said, oh, make sure you say well done to Callum, right? When you go to the canteen, if you see him. And then you served me that day, I remember. So I, wa I was walking and uh, I got my food and I was like, oh, well done on the film, Callum. And you're like, oh, thanks. And then that was it. And it's mad how it like, six years later we're doing a podcast together yeah yeah it's crazy it, isn't it the whole yeah. circle like, mental man. like i don't it's so crazy when life goes like that because i didn't even realize that until you put that po post up and i was like oh my god i remember this guy i remember that i remember yeah, the he was the dinner lady. yeah the dinner lady. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah well, so well, was that sort of because you mentioned on that post it was like oh 18 days left until i finish so were you going on to another acting job then? Is that why you finished another job? No, no, I, it was, um, so the, when I finished sixth form, my, I wanted to move to London. My girlfriend at the time wanted to study in London as well. So I did the, I carried on doing the cleaning jobs. They, they let me keep the cleaning job, the three to five. And then the deal was because the head teacher, Mr. Jackson had paid for my national youth theatre course, teach the, be a teaching assistant in the year in the GCSE drama classes so I did that a couple of days a week whenever them classes were but around when them classes weren't on I would go and work in the canteen to save up because it was it was a living wage I got paid for the school holidays and I was done by I could both then two jobs I'd you know I'd start working in the kitchens at about seven in the morning and be done by half six seven be done by three do the cleaning job at five and then I have the evenings free to go to my acting classes on Wednesdays. But then I also trained, once I'd saved up enough money, trained to become a fitness instructor in a gym. So not a PT, but just running the classes and running the gym and stuff like that. So I had three jobs in my year, in my gap year, essentially. It wasn't a gap year, just a working year, just to save up to afford to move to London. Because um, like I say, like I'm not from money. I didn't have anyone that could have lent me the money or gave me the money to move there. I just had to earn it. So that's why I was a cleaner, a dinner lady in a gym, gym, instructor because yeah, my car insurance actually like i was looking for like a um, canteen assistant or uh, whatever and the only option was dinner lady so on my uh 18 year old male um <coughs> insurance policy like was like profession dinner lady because that was the closest thing oh, they had exactly. so i was like oh, oh okay. that's what i am then. my insurance said i am i am i'm a dinner lady fair enough i mean you graphic you you throughout the sort of 
your uh, well throughout whilst you've been acting you've been grafting um uh, the whole whole way through um with drama school this is my second to last question what's drama school like because again i got the, the friend that i was talking about she's in drama school as well um and i don't and she um i remember before she went she was like, like oh it's really it's hard to get into and it's like it's all these like you know fairly wealthy kids that are going into it you know so they've had like sort of um drama school uh, they've gone to drama classes their whole life and whatever what was when you went to sort of this drama school what, what was that like How, yeah. um, is your friend doing musical theater or just acting just acting i think okay um yeah i think it was a big it was the first time not the first time i've been to london because the first time was national youth theater first time i spent any time in london and also it was the first time i'd met actually rich people like I thought rich people was like, um, well, I mean, Phil Rawlinson is very wealthy. He's got his own business, but I was, he's probably a bad example. You, you thought rich thought, people were people with cars that can go right as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, their cars can turn both ways. They're loaded. Yeah, balling um, me. Your car can go <laughs> left and right. Jeez. Yeah, even reverses. Whoa, um, go backwards. <laughs> um, yes, I thought it was like, you know, people who's like, dad's had a building company and they were earning like 50 grand a year um and i was like yeah that's what rich is now i went to drama school and i was like people that had already inherited like multi-million pound cottages and their high schools were like fourteen thousand pounds per term so what's that a year like over 30 nearly 45 grand a year for their high school and i'm just like nah like now i've met wealthy people um, and that's why, and not to get into politics, because I don't want to digress too much, but that's why I hate when I meet, like, I fully understand it, but when I meet, like, people who started working class, worked really hard, and then they get to the point where they're like, no, I worked really hard. A lot of the people in my class didn't work hard. They always dosed about, they always messed about in class. I'm not now going to vote Labour so I can pay for them. And I fully get that opinion. I'm always like, nah, like, you're not, you're doing very well, but, like, you're not doing conservative well. Your working class done good to conservatives. They're for like people that have millions of acres of land and millions of pounds in 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 business and in buildings and stuff. I'm like, you're not rich to them. You're, they're not for you. Like, uh, anyway, not going to get into that. Drama school was the question. We're not talking about <laughs> it. I was hoping um, you into a bit of politics. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it's there's so many myths about drama school. Like I remember always being told like, yeah, there's going to be a class where you've all got to take your clothes off and you know be fully <laughs> naked. And you're like, thinking, yes, get in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, um, I'm so terrified. But um, now it's to be fair, my school art said it was a very grounded school. Um, it was like the head of acting when I was there um, was. Uh, a man called Gareth Farr, who's a fantastic actor, he's had a great career. He didn't really like me that much, don't know why. I've rubbed him up the wrong way, probably somehow. Um, but he was phenomenal, and he was a working class lad from um, Salford or Stockport, and his dickhead filter was fantastic. So what? his like filter for not letting in like arrogant pricks oh, okay, okay. was very good. Um, so ask like it was sound even that even the ones in my school that had vast 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 amounts of wealth um we didn't know until we saw their instagram stories of them being back home you know at, like the summer holidays and stuff and we were like god you're loaded but we'd never know because they didn't walk around in like 
thousand pound coats or they didn't show off about what car they drove. When I say what car they drove, I mean like Range Rovers and stuff like that. But you'd never know because they were just sound. They were just lovely people. Um, and it was great seeing like how they lived. And they were always baffled at like, I just remember one story of this girl who's very wealthy. We went to a festival, me and my mate, who's from the similar background to me, who we actually did scuttlers with at the Royal Exchange. And then we both went into the same drama school. Um, on a train back from a festival, like hungover, and we had drama school the next day and we were on a virgin trains and we were like, oh, I'd love a Snickers right now. I could just have a bag of Maltesers, like two quid. And she got up from the table seat to let us go past. And we we're like, what are you doing? She's like, you said you wanted a Snickers and a Maltesers. We were like, yeah, we want it, but we're not going to get one. She was like, why? Well, I don't have the money to. Like, you just, you just didn't understand yeah. it. It was just so interesting, like, um, meeting. Um, but yeah, that was uh, good. But we went to some dra- uh, parties that were like, with mixed like drama schools. And like, I met some of the kids from some of the other drama schools. Some of the drama schools that I also wanted to get into. And I was like, fucking hell, I'm glad I didn't get in there or not got on with any one of them. Just like, uh, yeah, man. Like, yeah, I just like read plays every night, man. Like Shakespeare, know all of it. I just read it for fun, you know what I mean? I just think it's so good, man. <laughs> read everything. And just going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's great play, man. This actor and it, really good guy. His friend's my dad. It's like, oh, fuck off, mate. You boring. <laughs> Not at any time for that. My like my three best mates from drama school, one I live with now. Um, I think I get on with them so well because they're just not that stereotypical actor at all. They're just like sound lads. Because mm. that side of it pisses me off. You just got people going on all the time about just oh yeah, talking rubbish. I'm not gonna get into that either. But um yeah, it's, it, my drama school was great because everyone was sound and very grounded. And it's there's this big myth about it, like it's the, you know, this and don't get me wrong, like it is, I think in the school I went to is about 100 auditionees for every one place. Um, and that on the acting course, the, the musical theatre course was the most prestigious in the country. Andrew Lloyd Webber was the president of our school. Um, and I think it was about 150 to 200 per uh, auditionees per place on their course. And they had more places on their course than we did. I think they had about 45 and we had 30. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to get into. Um, but like. Yeah, there are all the teachers there that sound like they're working actors, they've worked on their career. And a lot of people got all oh, these prestigious, like RADA's, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. It's got a very prestigious name. And especially in America, if you see RADA on the CV, you're like, oh my God, they went, they went to RADA, they must be amazing. And so, uh, some of them are phenomenal. I've seen some fantastic RADA um, graduates. I've seen some shit ones as well. Um, but the, the teachers, a lot of the teachers will teach, they'll, They'll have the morning at this school and then they'll go and teach the afternoon at that school and then the Tuesday they'll be at the other school. And they've all taught all the schools anyway. So you get in a very, very similar, very, very similar course. If you go to any of the top 10 drama schools, you get in a very similar course. Just, Apart from actually like, mine was the only one who was 50% screen acting. So if there's anyone who isn't wanting to be an actor, a screen actor and a film actor who is watching this, Arts, Arts Ed in London, have a little Google of that because they're the only one that do... All three years, your course is 50% film. What was that? Um, Name, sorry? It's called Arts Ed. It's um, Arts Educational Schools, London. Make sure you check it out. What's, um, I was going to ask about as well. I was going to quickly ask something, but I can't remember what it was now. Oh, yeah. So it just seems like they're all just sort of like names, like similar to universities. It's like oh, Oxford <coughs> University, Cambridge. Obviously, when someone looks at it, it's like, wow, amazing. And obviously... Yeah as well to get into something like Cambridge or Oxford is incredible but ultimately at the end of the day it's it's you're getting the, you're getting a degree out of it or you're getting your sort of qualifications and you're becoming an actor you're going to get an agent afterwards whether you 
you become a good actor not because of the school that you went to but you know because of your hard work like you mentioned throughout the whole thing of being able to graft and if anything the fact that you are from sort of a lower income family and you've had these sort of troubles in the past will has made you a better actor and has gotten you to the position where you're at now um and i think the good thing about not only uh, sort of acting but also just in general you know with sports and um any sort of uh, industry is people are looking for more people that have something about them that's just not not like so you might have someone that's a better actor than you but they don't have anything about them but they see you and they can mold you into something better they can mold you into a better actor they can mold you into a better footballer or a sportsman or whatever like you know mm. I'll use football as an example you mentioned Marcus Rashford earlier Marcus Rashford was on free school meals and you know now he's you know this this global icon um you like coaches would have seen that if he was some sort of kid you know and I'm not nothing against kids that grow up in a wealthy background but if he's some sort of kid that has grown up in a wealthy background has it had everything he wanted and whatever it's harder to mold that person into what you need and mold them into someone that's quite versatile and in your context mold them into someone that's uh, a versatile actor and a better all-round actor do you know what i mean and maybe that rich yeah. person can only really play one or two roles but you can play 10 20 roles you know like mm-hmm. and i feel like that's why you shouldn't never i mean that's one of the reasons why i started the podcast was to give them give something a bit more about me to a future employer or whatever i end up doing um and if you ever do get into well i mean when you do get into sort of the big time make sure you shout me up yeah like yeah, put man. my name put, get like get into like be friends with like all these posh actors and then send them my way to come onto my podcast because yeah. you know and and just them. on that just on that i don't want to discredit any actors from wealthy backgrounds because a lot of like oh, especially yeah, the benedict and stuff the ones that have that intellectual knowledge because they've been to fantastic universities and they've had a very privileged and uh, wealthy and educated background they tackle i feel like as much as i might bring something uh what of my past experience they can bring like a very very intellectual take on it and so that's not to discredit uh very actors that are from a more fortunate place than me because they bring some fantastic acts and in fact i think there was a statistic out the other day i think like it was something like 2% or 3% of schools are private schools but like 50 or 60% of bafta winners have had uh have been from private schools so they're clearly doing something right whether that's their connections or their raw talent alone or a mix of both but there's some fantastic actors there as well so I don't want to discredit any actors there oh yeah there. no 100% like oh. with, with anything you don't I'm not discredit I think it's great like if you had the opportunity I, I don't see why not if you if you've got wealthy yeah, parents would go to the best school in the world I'd do the same if you know yeah. if I was wealthy I, I want my kid to go to the best school in the world I don't give a crap about anyone else um you know I, I want them to go to get the best best education as possible what I mean is is your background shouldn't necessarily dictate the way you sort of think your life is going to end up going yeah, um, because anything that has happened to you whether good or bad can be a positive and you can spin it into a positive and make it into something that can work well for you and i'm sure that's what you've done so far and i'm sure that's what you'll end up doing um my final question to you callum is sort of how old are you callum 25 25 right so you can kind of i mean yeah you can answer this question what advice would you give um to uh if you could go back uh and and speak to your 20 year old self what advice would you give to him uh to, to uh, my issue i think is i took it so seriously that i didn't really have a personality at first going my teacher being just like chill out it's all right take the work seriously don't take yourself too seriously be it like you got to make mistakes you've got to, you've got to look like an idiot in some of the acting stuff to do well but i think also just like 
yeah do everything do everything you can like i i just my string of doing as much as i could doing that thing at the royal exchange is how i learned about uh arts ed and when i did national youth uh, when i had my audition at arts ed they were like oh national youth ed, tell us about that that's great da, da, da. do as much as you can no it's, it's me for act for for me trying to be an actor or just in life yeah well, they, well they, no, just yeah. in life in general yeah like what well, life and acting whatever so what what if you could if i could literally take you for two minutes right and take you back to your 20 year old self and you've got sort of a minute to say something, you've got 60 seconds, what would you say? Oh, I'd just say, keep working, keep working hard, um, work hard at everything. People are gonna say, people are gonna say that you're not, that it's not gonna pay off. People are gonna laugh at you. I remember people laughing at me for trying to do it. And the people were taking a mick out of it. But I saw a great quote the other day and I don't think it was by Christian Bale, but it had a uh, Christian Bale's face on the quote, it was on Instagram and it said, um, bees don't waste their time trying to explain to flies that honey is better for you than shit. They are onto something that they know is good. Fuck what everyone else thinks. You carry on doing it. Uh, yeah, work hard, keep your head down. Don't be a dick and be on time, which I can't really say today because I was late. But yeah, I think yeah, it's especially- you, you didn't tell me, like you gave me like 40 minute notice. It's not like yeah, some yeah. people just basically the buses in London are a nightmare. They just stop and go, We're waiting here for a change of driver. How long for? Till he gets here, you'll just be waiting on the bus. Change um, of driver <laughs> in the middle of the what, Oh yeah, I'll just stop at the bus stop in London. Yeah, and it'll go, the bus will wait here for a change of driver. And then you just sat on the top then until the next driver turns up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well weird. I've never heard yeah. that. I don't know they even did that. Why are yeah. you not going all the way to the, the <laughs> no, or yeah. But that would be my advice as well with my younger self. When you go to London, be on time and take public transport into it. Yeah, I think that's David Tennant's advice. Be nice. No, it's don't be a dick and don't be late. Uh, oh, hang on. Something's just got rid. Remind me later. Hang on, you've gone off the screen. There it is. We're back. Right, yeah, no. uh, yeah. Work hard. Keep your head down. Have a laugh. Okay. Yeah, quick question there. You did mention sort of you did get sort of people were taking the mic. What was that like? Well, so when I uh when I finished year 13, dance was a very like popular thing for boys to do. There's a boys dance group who doing like dance, Miss Addison, who'd come from Steph Addison, who'd come from New Zealand. When she first did that, did this like hacker dance, like a hacker inspired all male dance thing. Um, but like before, when I started doing it, it wasn't that at all. It was like the homophobic names and, oh yeah, you're well gay, you're camp and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, and I think the same for acting. I think I probably got, I got a lot of homophobic abuse for a straight person. Um, but yeah, and which rolls into what I was saying before, like if you want to do something, like fuck what everyone else thinks. You're only on, you, like I look back now and I go, Jesus, I left school 10 years ago. Where has that gone? I was like, the next 10 years will probably carry on going even faster. Fuck other people. I'm very lucky that like, I have parents that support what I do. Um, but they're just like, yeah, do whatever makes you happy. Um, but if, if you've got, you know, if, you, if you've got anyone holding you back, whether that's a, a toxic relationship or a parents or friends, life too short just surround yourself with i'm surround myself with hard-working people now and i think that is how i keep myself going when i'm slacking and i see my housemates grafting their ass off like right pull your socks up get working um 
so yeah like like it was people just giving me abuse for doing the dance doing the acting but if you find something you want to do you just got to do it fuck everyone else just do 100%. it then if it doesn't harm anyone why why would you want to do it yeah um, absolutely I, I just can't believe that that dinner lady experience was six years ago and six years is actually yeah. the difference between our ages as well which is mental um is it yeah yeah you said you were 25 yeah, 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 yeah. So that was, yeah, that's mad. Anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure, Callum. Um, I will wait. Uh, yeah. And that is it for this week's episode. If you did enjoy this episode, then please let us know by sharing us on your socials, tagging at mmhy podcast on Instagram, uh, and please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, so you don't miss a next week's episode where I sit with Finn Thormia, uh, who went from dropping out of college in 2017 to moving to New York with absolutely no idea with what he wanted to do with his life um, and a one-way ticket to America, somewhere where he'd never been. Uh, and it's a very interesting uh, episode. Um, you probably noticed, have no idea what he's doing with his life, I said there. He had no idea with what he's doing with his life. I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. Maybe you have no idea what you're doing with your life. Or maybe you do. Um, either way, you don't want to miss next week's episode. It really is um well, it's a great episode. Uh, we also talk more about how we got married uh, at a very young age to a much older woman um, and how he has created content strategies for companies um, and how his um, sort of life phrase of document not create has allowed him to do what he is doing right now and do something that he enjoys for a living so um if you want to make sure that you don't miss next week's episode then make sure you follow uh, other than that thank you so much for listening uh, thank you so much to callum for giving me his time uh, have a great week until next time